Monica Adams Show. I'm thrilled to have you along. If you're brand new to my show, it's all about positivity. You know, years ago, I started the Triangle of Life Theory, and it has to do with mental, physical, and spiritual health. What is that? 33 and a third percent of each one of them makes up 100% of the balance of life. And day in and day out, if you practice that, your life becomes more of that for you and for those around you. Every day, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., I host a show on Facebook and on YouTube that you can watch and you can listen and you can receive the message. And hopefully it takes you on that path and that journey that you've been seeking. Every Thursday, we then drop a new episode on all of the audio podcast platforms so you can watch and you can see and it can start to change your life. I'm thrilled to have you on board. Please share the message that we're here for you and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Talking all about blue today, St. Louis Blues. We're going to talk with former enforcer Reed Lowe. He's been a dear friend of mine since my days of covering sports. I don't know if you know that about me. I've done a lot in this last 30 years of my career, and some of my proudest moments were the 12 years that I covered the St. Louis Blues, the St. Louis Cardinals, the St. Louis Rams at the time. And I still think about what's my favorite thing that I did in my career. Sports, definitely one of them. I was an athlete growing up, and I had a chance to get to know a lot. Of the St. Louis Blues players really well. I became friends with a lot of them. Reed Lowe, one of them. Kelly Chase, Brett Hall. I mean, the, the numbers go on and on and on. Those were the those were the heydays of the St. Louis Blues. And uh, you know, I, I think they were just a household name. And speaking of households and homes, that is one of the things that I love about many of our professional athletes. They fall in love with this city and they make it their home. They decide to live here. I mean, he's from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, and we're talking about a Canadian boy, and he doesn't go back to Canada. He calls St. Louis his home. His family is here. Now, we're going to talk about, of course, his playing days. We're going to talk also about some of the other businesses that he's gotten involved in. But one of the things you don't know about Reed Lowe, and after today's show, you're going to just want to give him a big hug. He's a big guy, big enforcer. You just want to give him a big bear hug when you hear his story about faith and family and how that is truly the journey that he's on. So, you know, I've talked a lot about my faith and I've always said, never will I ever push something on someone because I think it's really powerful when you find it on your own. And that's one of the things that happened with him. He was introduced to it when he was younger. And as many people say, if it was pushed upon them, they rebelled and they were driven away from it. That happened to him. He'll talk about that and he'll talk about how he came back to it. And that was when it was the most powerful. When you find it on your own. It's always there, that light, even in the dimming of the darkness, when you feel like there's no light out there. It's there. Sometimes you have to dig deep down into your soul, though, and look for it a little more. However, that's where the greatest reward is, the greatest success coming from the darkest of places. That is kind of the theme of what we're going to discuss today. I mentioned that my friend and your former St. Louis Blues enforcer, Rila, would be my guest, and he is here in the blue chair. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm thrilled to have you with us. Beautiful studio here. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I'm Clayton. So uh, we've been talking about me coming on for a while, and I'm glad we made it happen. I am as well. So Reed and I go way back to when he was in his playing days. What were your years when you played with the Blues? 2000 to 2005. From 0405 lockout wasn't really a season, but yeah. we were still rostered. And then you went to, we won't talk about Chicago. Hey, beggar, beggars can't be choosy. I, I wanted to play for the Blues. They just weren't interested in me anymore. Yes, yes. <laughs> I needed a job. Uh, for, yeah, was you hear the Canadian accent, so you want to talk about where you grew up? 
Yeah, I grew up in a small town. I guess not really that small. It's the third largest city in Saskatchewan. Moose Jaw. Played all my hockey there. Grew up there. I even played two years of uh, major junior in the Western Hockey League in my hometown. So yeah, it was a great time. Super cold. That's why I didn't go home. Everyone's like, why didn't you go home? I'm like, uh, minus 50 degrees. Oh, no, thank you. I found something else that's not quite as bad. Everyone's like, it's so cold here. I'm like, you have no idea. Yeah, no kidding. And now you got this crazy heat wave that we have here. I mean, what a world of difference from where you grew up to what we're experiencing now. It probably took 10 years for me to truly get used to <laughs> the humidity. Sure. And still today, like, you walk outside, it's like getting body checked in right? the corner. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good analogy. Um, so you have lived in St. Louis how many years now? Since you know, 2000? Uh, yeah, since 2000. Spent summers back during my hockey days. And then uh, I spent two years where I was out down in Peoria, Chicago, uh, Norfolk, Virginia. So mm -hmm. about 21 years actually in St. Louis, but 26 in the States. So, Reid, I brought this up and I see this. You know, I, I was friends with a lot of the Blues players from back in your days. And I've seen so many of you that have decided to call St. Louis home. And I've never had a chance to ask any of you why. You know, first and foremost, it's just the city. It's the people. This is a very tight-knit tight -knit group of, of people. And um, obviously, if you ask somebody where they went to high school, that's a big <laughs> deal. It kind of gives you your geographical judge. You're like judge, Moose Jaw. <laughs> your, your, your geographical judge on, on who they are before you get to know them, you know. But St. Louis is not an easy city to infiltrate as somebody that's trying to come in just regular and so it's the greatest sports town in the world you know you, you see what the battle hawks are doing you see what the st louis blues are doing uh you see what sports means to this town i don't I, there's really nothing st louis couldn't bring to this town that they wouldn't get on board and support that's just the type of people that are here and you know back when bobby plager mm -hmm. and bruce affleck and, and and all those guys were retiring in the late 60s early 70s early 80s there was all kinds of opportunity for those guys to be able to get jobs and stay in the community and be a part of the community that had kind of given them what they you know had deserved from through their hockey career so i think they just kind of paved the way and it's just a really easy place. I knew as soon as I drove into this town and, and was a part of this town and played for this team that this is where I was going to settle down. It is, and I, I love the fact that you said that this is the greatest sports town. And I know other people say, no, ours is. But really, I've talked to so many athletes in the 12 years that I covered sports, and they all said the same thing. Every athlete said it, not just the fans, but they all said, I got to say, it is really true. You have the most incredible sports fans of any city I've ever seen. And the best part, listen to a guy like Al McKinnis talk mm. when he was coming down for free agency. See, I think it was back at like 92, 93 out of Calgary. And everybody he was asking is like, go to St. Louis, go to St. Mm -hmm. Louis. And, you know, when you have a guy that was told by everybody to go to St. Louis, then he goes to St. Louis. Yeah. And then he raises his family here, and now he's obviously a big part of the St. Louis Blues and their decision-making process. But just perfect example of, of even the, the superstar, Wayne Gretzky, oh, yes. lives in St. Louis. Well, so. he played here with us for what, a 90, year? Yeah, not even 39 games, I think. <laughs> 39 exact. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but enough to have a Blues jersey with Gretzky's name on the back, which is super cool. Yeah. Yes, I was lucky enough to be covering during the time that he played here, and the great one. I mean, he really is. And what a class act. Yeah. That's the one thing. We'll get into that a little bit later what the professional sports what our industry could do to the ego and you talk in this testimonial about how it entered in you oh yeah uh, th there were there were those times we'll get to that in just a second people are saying hi to you reed uh harriet says hello reed and glad to have you on uh hello reed come out of retirement we need an enforcer <laughs> <laughs> no thank you <laughs> there's not enough money in the bank <laughs> Well, let's talk about that. Outside of you playing, so you had these incredible heydays of, of uh, NHL, and then you get out, and 
One of the things that I'm talking about doing right now is to sit down with pro athletes, to sit down with CEOs, to talk with presidents of companies of what happens to you when suddenly all that limelight, all of the ego mind that's driven in and it's all you know, what happens when it's all taken away? And I've talked to a handful of people, guys in general, that say, ooh, that's powerful because Oh, it's got chill. Because what happens to us is hard to deal with when we feel so alone. You've talked about the times of having the ego. It's kind of fed in. You're younger when you're playing, and it's hard not to because you have this rise. You have a lot of money coming in. I think you even talked one time in your testimony where you said that you went from having a $150,000 car at one point to nothing in the bank. And that's very difficult on the mental and the spirit, isn't it? It is, but it's as I've kind of released from holding on to all this human stuff everybody wants to when it comes to money and those different things. It's, it's one of those things that doesn't, isn't, doesn't affect me as much anymore. But when you, when you grow up like me, where I was picked on a little bit for those people back in Moose Jaw, yeah, I brought a lot of it on myself, but that's just for this. So there could be some people that's going, Oh, you used to bring it on yourself, buddy. Uh, but at the same time, it was always there. And then all of a sudden I make junior hockey and they're like, you're never going to stay. You're never going to make it. And then I make the Moose Jaw Warriors. Oh, he's never going to stay. Never going to make it. Then I get drafted in the NHL. Oh, you'll never make the NHL and you'll never, you'll never, he'll never. And then all of a sudden this is what's driving you. And, and you're, you're not really watching what's pushing you behind it, but it's everybody saying that it's not. And there was just a strong belief that I was going to do it from the time I was a really little kid. Like it's just whatever it takes, mm -hmm. which is why I ended up being a fighter. Cause I wasn't skilled enough to just not have that physical aspect to the game. And, and then you make the NHL and all of a sudden you're it, right? And for me, how much do people in, in the NHL fans and, and especially St. Louisans like the tough guy, right? So mm -hmm. right off the bat, I'm a rookie, helmets mm -hmm. are off, fists are flailing, and, and not, I've got even more people that like me. And, 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 and not that they don't like you because of, of who you are, but they truly don't know who you are, right? right. They just see this guy on the ice, and they get uh, fall in love with that aspect. And, and so as you kind of walk through life and you get retired, I was fortunate enough to get off the company called Richard Brothers Auctioneers. So that lonely aspect or that transitional aspect wasn't as hard on me, even though you get high, I got offered a, a, a here's an itinerary, show up on time and beat the crap out of people to, I have to make appointments and do contracts <laughs> and all this other stuff. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing, you know? So uh, my buddy Nick Pacino used to tell me all the time, reads a organizational skills are a three on a scale of one to 10, but that's not bad because you start at a minus five. Exactly. Uh, Look so at that growth. Just keep growing. And so <laughs> as I get kind of where I'm at today, it's just good to sit back and, and, and be able to allow things to come to me with my spiritualness and my faith and where it's come. I make less and less decisions and let more evolve in front of me. And it's just, it's just a safer place for my mind to be. You're actually a third generation auctioneer. Yeah, which my, is pretty awesome. Yeah, my dad, my grandfather, and my uncle are all uh, auctioneers. So grew up with that in the family, and then ended up after I got uh, retired from the NHL, I started working with the world's largest industrial construction auction company, Ritchie Brothers. Not as an auctioneer, just as a, a territory manager, salesman, bringing equipment to the auction and, and building relationships. But that's where I learned kind of my cadence and where the numbers were and. Other than that, that's just a, a beautiful gift from God that he gave me. Like, that's all Amen. that is. I, I have no training. I have no nothing. It's in, the, it's in the blood. But it's just, when I'm up on stage, it's almost out of body. 
It is. And, you know, you, you and I have both talked about how incredible it would be for you and I to do this together, to speak together, take the stage together. There's a lot of things that Reed and I want to do, but I've been in your presence when you've done it. I don't know if you ever, have you ever been to one that I've done? I don't think you have. I've got to invite him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I've been around and I've watched you raise big money. You have a huge heart for so many organizations. And, you know, you and I have talked about this, is that uh, value. You see the book that, that sits right next to me, Knowing Your Value. You and I had lunch just a few weeks ago and we both are the same way huge heart but it's what happens is then everybody wants a piece of you and everybody wants you to do everything for free and then you say well I want to give and give and give but where's there a point where I have to be paid for something sure. so you get the calls can you do this and I love the fact that you applauded yourself and you said oh my gosh Reed you know how to say no because yeah. you had some some somebody ask for something coming up in I think it was the fall or the winter and you're like I can't. I, I, I have people who know my value. I have people know that I, what I bring to the table and what I'm able to give to this nonprofit organization or any organization to raise their money. But they also know, and this is the thing that you and I both had to learn, we're being taken away from our families. Maybe we're traveling. And our time matters. Yep. And I applaud you for that. I'm still learning it. Well, I think the one thing that <clears throat> as I started to want to do this more and more is I either have to have a real job and go get paid <laughs> to do that or else I can find a way to in a fair manner help the charity raise more money than they would have raised if I wasn't there and there's been times where I didn't feel like I added the value and so I didn't take anything mm -hmm. and there's been other times where I felt that I brought more value and there was nothing that came back and and that's not where it's at for me again where I sit is just like I go do it and he will give me whatever he needs me to have and and so but at the same time I want to be able to go out and help as many people. I know that when I'm on the auction stage that I do that, I know that I have a knack for pulling money out of people's pockets. Mm -hmm. uh, people have told me that I do this to them. Uh, You're like, like oh, how did I buy a $3,000? Don't, don't lock eyes with Reed at an auction. He won't let you go. They'll just grab you until you have nothing left. I was actually watching one of your auction um, videos, and you were auctioning off a Tarasenko jersey. And it's interesting because I've been there where all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, feels like the crowd's done. It's about $750. And then it's like, okay, going, oh, you want to do eight? Okay, and that would give me 850. Okay, give me nine. Now I got nine, give me 950. And then it went up to like twelve, thirteen hundred dollars $1,300. But you feel like the room, they start to drink, you know, then you, you lose. I have lost my voice so many times oh. when you're like, hello, can you all listen? It's just this short little window, yeah. and this is what we're here for. Yeah. They don't care. You're like, I'm they so don't. hoarse the next day. Especially those Catholic <laughs> fun school oh my fundraisers. Gosh, so true. So true. Crazy. <laughs> you're like, can you not start <laughs> drinking just yet? Yeah, can we yeah. make the auction earlier in the night? Yeah, yeah. What can we do here? <laughs> Uh, no, it's it's one of those things that, you know, I, I get with, you know, when it gets a little out of hand, I'll be like, hey, folks, or I'll just stand there and bring yes. some, and then people start taking their glass and get on, on support with it and just get them to understand, hey, listen, if you just give me a little bit of your time, you might not be interested, right. but that person next to you might be interested and they can't hear. And now we're not doing what we're supposed to do, which yeah. is maximize dollars at the right. event. Very true. And so one of the things that I've been mentioning <clears throat> is that you might know Reed from his playing days. You might know him from actually doing an auction for you, for your organization. He's incredible at it. He's got a huge heart for it. Those are the things you might know about him. What you may not know is how deeply rooted he is to his family. His children are everything to him. I've had an opportunity not meet all of your kids. I don't think I've met Ava. Have I? I think maybe, but... Brief? I know you met Ollie. Uh, I, I met Ollie. <laughs> Ollie was in handcuffs. That's a whole other story. <laughs> 
I should have brought that picture in. Uh, you know, my husband's a St. Louis Blue, uh, St. Louis Blue. My husband's a St. Louis, St. Louis County Lieutenant uh, with the police. And he actually uh, went by Reed's house one day and we were dropping something off. And then <laughs> Ali's like, oh, can I see the police vehicle? And so we went out there and then Jim put him in handcuffs and he liked it. And Reed's like, I didn't want you to like it. This is not a good thing for you to like. One of the things we're going to transition into is how much your family means to you. And one of the hardest times was you were married, but you went through a really rough divorce. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So nobody ever thinks sets out to get married, to get divorced. I don't think that's ever in the plans. And, you know, one of the toughest things about divorce is the death that almost lives every day when you wake up in the morning and you look at your kids and you're like, man, how did this not work? When I take a look back in 05, 06, I went through a really bad time. Got sent to the minors at a training camp. Then I was a healthy scratch in the American Hockey League after I was just a regular in the NHL. So there's a little bit of that ego being broken, right? Yep. You know what ego stands for? Yes. Edging God out. Yes. <clears throat> so I'm broken there, and then all of a sudden I get in a fight. And so it's like three straights in a row, break my jaw completely in half, out for five months. So I missed like a year and a half of hockey. And when I came back to Peoria, a guy named Rocky Thompson was there. And Rocky had gone through a really tough time in his life with just drugs and alcohol and the crazy life that, that professional sports can give you. But he had changed his ways and he was very, very into almost a ministry level like he was preaching. And so we used to do this Bible study and, and I went in there and, and I really, really enjoyed it. And, and after the times that I'd been pushed away from religion, mm -hmm. it was my first real experience at what the relationship was like and how to feel that Holy Spirit. And then whenever I left at the end of that season, I just never found anything. And so sometimes it's hard for me to look back and think, man, if I would have found Jesus at that moment in my life, where would I be today? But we can't go back and yep. forth and do that kind of stuff but we're still human, so we do it anyways. And so it's okay to think, for me, it's okay to think back at, at what I could have, should have done, because that has to help catapult me to better decisions in the future for what I do. My kids are everything to me, and, and quite frankly, they lived through a pretty tough time mm -hmm. um, in uh, both mine and my ex-wife's uh, timelines in our life because it wasn't it's never you know we could sit here and nitpick on whose fault who did more who did less we did that for eight years mm -hmm. and then about a year and a half ago my oldest son connor and and her and dina my ex-wife got together and we're like hey listen there's only four people in this world that are really get hurt through urinized dysfunction it's time for us to grow up and be better parents and so we've worked at that and we're doing that every day we still fail a little bit but the fall isn't as far and 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 she's brought god into her life and and zach williams sings a song called come to the table and at the end of the song he says if god's in your life he can take any mess and turn it into a message and so i talk about that with my ex-wife a lot saying hey listen like our relationship from a, a man to woman is is gone but our friendship has to remain and grow consistently through the years in order to take care of our kids and and we owe them a lot because we we probably didn't you know but connor will tell you too that you know th that's some of the reasons why he is who he is today because of those things that he had to battle through and those adversities that he had to go through as well and i think all the kids do and i'm very vulnerable with my kids so i tell them what's wrong with me and i tell them the things that i have that i don't like about myself or that i'm trying to change and and they see those things too they see that they see how my my walk with jesus and my spirituality and where i'm at today they've seen it 
change me. So that's the best, that's the best thing feeling for me is first off, I know what's in my heart today. I know who I am today, comparatively speaking mm -hmm. to three years ago, mm -hmm. but I also know that my kids see it as well. And they're the four most important, uh, you know, decision, like judgment people that sure. I'm looking for. Well, that transparency, <laughs> that authenticity, that rawness, real, that is what we need more of in life. I'm so glad not only that you are doing this one, as a professional athlete, two, as a man, which we need more men to be open and to speak like this. It's not the easiest thing. Men are taught, and you, you talk about this in the testimonial that we're going to show in just a second. We're going to play a little clip from it that I think is really powerful. But in that testimonial, which is about 23 minutes long, Reed talks about very, very young how he was in, he was in the beginning of playing days and it was, I think it was at a Christian. Yeah. Christian athlete hockey camp that you were told <clears throat> to say this prayer. You would go but, to hell. Yeah. So these counselors grabbed me about the second day into this camp and we were staying out in Karenport. And the only reason I wanted to go there is because Doug Smale, who grew, it was an NHLer, grew up in Moose Jaw and he was going to be there. So I wanted to go to his hockey camp. Right. At the time we kind of had, my dad was a minister and there was a little bit of church in the family up till I was about six. Don't remember a whole lot after that. I was probably 13 when this happened. Mm -hmm. And these four counselors pulled me in a room and are like, listen, you're the only one that hasn't said this prayer. If you don't say this prayer, you're going to go to hell. <laughs> And I'm just like, uh, TV time out, people. <laughs> I, we're gonna, well, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? Like, I call my dad. I'm like, get me out of here. And right. that's just that's that's not how it is. And unfortunately, or in my in, in what I believe in today, fortunately, because sometimes we have to walk through what we have to walk through yes. in order to truly feel that. It's but it's not something that um, is 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 pushed upon. And and I don't ever talk to people about what. Jesus can do in their life. Yes. I tell people what Jesus has done mm -hmm. in my life because someone's more willing to listen to what your story is when you're vulnerable and you talk right. about what happens with you and and what is going on with you and why these changes are made and how your mindset's different than it was before. And, and so um, for me, that's the one part that is separational for me when it comes to religion versus relationship. And, and for me, religion has done more harm in our world today than it's done anything. And I really feel like it's the relationship that you have to have. When I read the Bible, the Bible's a treasure map for me to look in what the word is and how that's going to affect me and change me for the better when I do my Bible studies on Thursday morning. So and you started that, by the way, and you have not missed a Thursday morning at 7 a.m. since and a half when? years, February of 2021. And let me tell you all, I had an opportunity to spend summer last year in Cabo San Lucas with him with Laura, with your kids, with my best friend and, and her husband and his son. We had a beautiful time there together. By the way, that is where this all came from. Yeah. God, my father, all saying, it's time. Oh, it's there's a chill. It's time. And when you said earlier, we can all go back and go, oh my gosh, but if I had known this, if I had done this, if I had found him... Instead of doing that, we dip back there, we learn from that, and then we pull forward, and we're on this beautiful path, and we just keep letting it guide us. He guides me, my dad guides me to this exact space. I watched him. I took what was my favorite picture. And, I mean, come on, Cabo San Lucas is beautiful scenery. We had a lot of fun. But the picture I took of you out by the, the putting area, 
He was sitting there listening to his music. I know you are very big into listening to Joy FM. My friend Nick, who used to work in promotions at, with me at WIL, who I never thought would go on here, is their morning guy, which I was just like, yeah. what? Nick Spinolas, you're on. That's crazy. So Nick and all the staff over at Joy, you do beautiful things. And I know that you, Reed, and your kids listen to their music. You were listening to your music back then. I just saw greatness in this picture that I took and, and peace. I saw peace in you where I knew that there was darkness. You talk in your in your testimonial about addictions, about going to alcohol, about drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning because you were so alone and so lost, hugging the pillow, and that's the part I want to play. So, George, if you have this queued up, listen to this here. December 7th, 2020, I am in bed. Um, most nights I couldn't get to sleep without being completely hammered. Um, I would wake up about four o'clock in the morning, gripping a pillow, wondering, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to pay that bill? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? Knowing that I want Jesus in my life, but I hadn't truly accepted him inside of my heart. And so I prayed to him that night and I said, Jesus, I've always loved you. I don't know if I've ever treated you as good as you've treated me, as I can look back on that in hindsight today. I said, but show me a sign or take me home. Get me up. So powerful. And again, there's about 23 minutes. That's not out there anywhere, right? You shared that with me. Thank you, by the way, because when you shared it with me, you said, Monica, I don't even remember what I said. Was it, you talked earlier about an out-of-body experience, that as well? Oh, without question. They asked me, uh, the FCA asked me if I would do it. And I was like, of course. And so I'm like trying to write it. And I don't write, like I don't, I bullet point mm -hmm. and I just go like, this just happens. And uh, so I just kind of got up there and I just started talking and I had all my lines that I needed. And I got, if you watch the very end of the video, you can almost see it. I almost go like this and I look around. I'm like, what what just what's going on here? <laughs> and I'm like, I gotta go, I gotta go. <laughs> what did I say? Minutes. What did I say? I don't remember anything. <laughs> It was beautiful. You tell the story and you talk about, so everybody remembers 2020. We know what happened, but it's very, very different here. You talk a little bit in that about how 2020 happened and with many people from a financial standpoint, things start crumbling. It gets to be very scary and very dark. It's many people turn to alcohol, drugs, sex, gaming addictions, all these things that didn't serve them, didn't nourish their, their heart and soul. And then you ask a friend of yours who was in these Bible study classes if you could join. And, and, and it's always, you know, in your head you can go, well, we're really good friends. I wonder why you've never invited me. Did you think that? No, in fact, I talk about it with, uh, his name's Aaron Lang. He's one of my, he's my banker. And I just, I was just in a bad, it was a tough time. And, and I had already gone through my moment where I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't want, it was two o'clock in the morning. I don't know how much I'd had to drink that night couldn't get to sleep and I'm just laying there gripping the pillow just saying like I've always had this amazing affirmation for you Jesus just please show me a sign or like let's go I'm right. I'm, I'm tapping out here I can't do this anymore the stress of finances my mm. children everything just n not being able to work not being able to leave the house and so the next morning another friend of mine that was working at my hair salon that I had at the time Lisa she sent me the testimonial from Jesus Calling. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just like, okay, I asked, <laughs> you showed. And, yes. and so it's a little different. My mine is a little different because everybody has their own hell too, mm -hmm. right? Like, so mine was where it was at. 
And at that moment, I knew that, that, that were, there was a hand down there again. And as I look back on my life, he was always there. And, and it's the craziest thing ever in, the, in, my, in my mind to comprehend. And, and so for, for me to be able to have that and, 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 and then just to naturally, you know, Joy FM, that 20, January of 2021, I put it on and I don't listen to anything else. That music is what soothes my soul from the time I was 16 to the time I was 31. I was not only encouraged to hurt people on the ice and beat people up, and that's how I, I handled things. And even though I'm smart enough to understand what's right and wrong, and I've never been in a street fight or a bar fight or anything like that, there's still an area that that has to go. So I had to learn how to where to put that. And so I today set it at the foot of the cross, and I allow that music to just infiltrate my soul, mm -hmm. and it just keeps me grounded and it keeps me happy. And and my kids get a little irritated because I won't let them. I typically like, no, my house, my rules, you know. But I'm trying to loosen up a little bit. We play a lot of uh, of, of country, Morgan Wallen and, and Luke Combs and stuff now too. And I'm and there's and and, and trying to open it up a little bit. But it, it was almost a safety blanket for me because. Whenever I was going through, whenever I could feel that storm brewing up inside me, I would just go straight there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I was going through a tough time um, with my beverage company last year and beautiful days, golfing, wonderful people, wonderful food. And so I've just tried to get in the habit of finding my time during the day where I go say thank you mm -hmm. and have gratitude. We have to have gratitude, and we have to, you, as you mentioned, go through, I, I say this, when I'm no longer on this earth, I want to be remembered for this phrase, the greatest success and the most powerful feeling inside your soul comes from the darkest places, and that's where you find your strength. Anybody that you have found that you follow, that, that has an incredible success, you will find where they came from, and it empowers you. Instead of being handed something and gifted something, it is, look what I have come through. Look what I've been through. That's the powerful aspect. So, so Reed's talking about how he found faith. I've mentioned many times on the show that if we, over the years, if I talk to children and, and I hear them say, oh yeah, I was forced to go to church. I was forced to, to, to say this or to do that. And, and they rebel and they, they turn away from it. And then when you find it on your own, it's the most beautiful path to be on the clarity of mind and knowing that you sought it out and that you accepted it and it was time for it was you were ready for that message i told you i would look at some of your comments uh if you missed it carrie said that she enjoyed what reed said earlier reed low from the st louis blues enforcer motivational speaker auctioneer just a great great human being and has been one of my friends for a long time earlier he said Do you know what ego means edge god out i love that so you all can start using that god's morning some people say mess into a message and test into a testimony love your testimony, Carrie says. God is good all the time. Amazing story. Amen. There's a lot of great comments. I'll have Reed go back and maybe comment uh, to some of you when he sees this. One of the things, Reed, that you talk about that really moved me, brought tears to my eyes, and I thought about this because I think there's a lot of you that are going to see yourself in this. Do not shame yourself. You realize that, oh, I got chills, that you were verbally abusive to your children. You then hear upstairs, Connor, your oldest, talking the same way Kind of an, another out-of-body experience of you not realizing you're in the moment, you're in the moment, you're, you're speaking this way, probably the same way to your ex-wife, that the two of you did it to each other, and it's just what became, that, that you, you're, you're immune to this because you don't even realize that it's part of your life, and then you hear a very powerful moment, and that is your oldest son to your youngest speaking the exact same way. And instead of going up and saying, and shaking him, and saying, rah, 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 right, you went and put your arm around him and said what? I told him that 
we weren't going to do this anymore and that I had taught him how to do this and that I was committed to spending the rest of my life showing him how not to do this. I think it goes back to that moment that I was just discussing earlier about how to release our angers and, and the frustrations that were coming. I was living at eight. And when I say eight, I mean my temperament level was at eight. So I would go and have my day of misery and then I would come home at night and the smallest thing would set me off. My daughter didn't even want to come. I think it was eight months. She didn't even come over to my house because she just didn't want to see me acting the way that I was. You know, Connor took probably the biggest brunt of it all. <clears throat> yeah, it just, uh, it was the, uh, the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving of 2020 and December 7th, 2020. Uh, was the night that I prayed to Jesus and, and gave him my heart. So leading up to that moment, uh, and, and then actually sitting and living through the click. And and prior to June was when I started, like, I hadn't really, me and Jesus weren't completely linked yet, <laughs> but I knew I wanted to be more like him and less like me. <laughs> that was where my journey was. I need balance in my life because I'm completely out of balance, and I need to be a little bit more like Jesus and a little less like me. And I just remember that day and I went upstairs and I just hugged him and I said, son, like, we're not going to do this anymore. And it's okay. I, this is my fault. It's not your fault. I will work my butt off for the rest of my life to show you kids how, how, how we're supposed to treat each other and how a dad's supposed to cheat their children. And so as I've gone through, it's been like two and a half, three years now. And so I look at being a parent as being a shepherd. A shepherd has a hook on the end of of their shaft and they don't hit their sheep with it when they wander off. They grab them and they smile and they tell them they love them. They go, come on back now, come on back now. And so that's how I try and be with everybody, whether I'm mentoring somebody or I'm someone, I'm, and that person might be mentoring me back, always leading with love and, and trying to accept it. And I'll, I'll never forget like Ollie's very excited. He likes the music that I listen to and stuff like that. And so I'm sitting at the kitchen table with Ava on one side and Ollie on the other. And Ava looks at me and she's like, daddy, I love Jesus too. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> and she goes, well, she's like, I really, I'm, I don't understand. She's like, but I do love Jesus for sure for one reason. And I go, what's that? She's like, because what he's done to you. Oh, yeah. And so like when you have your daughter that wouldn't even come over to your house and now she's got her friends over and your house is the place to be and you feel like you're losing everything and then you just set it all you know zach williams also says in that song come to the table like bring all your ever imagine there's a table as far as the eye can see mm -hmm. and every single person has a, ta a, a name on, the, on one of those chairs and all you have to do is bring your junk and your problems and everything that you can't stand about yourself and lay it on that table and you're in you're good and and, and it doesn't matter and and when i set my stuff there um my life is just better and uh, I, I wish that, I don't wish that everybody could go through what I went through, but I wish that everybody could have a feeling and understand what it's like to feel like you're, you're drowning and then all of a sudden you get brought up out of the water and you're just like, whoa, what just happened here? Born again. Yeah. You know, I, you know a good friend of mine, Brock Wilson. Yep. If you follow Brock on Instagram or YouTube, and I encourage you to do so, because here's another tough guy whose father played for the St. Louis Blues. He lost his dad. That ripped him apart, went through addiction, and almost took his life multiple times. Thank God he's still here because what he's giving back to now. But both of you, incredible athletes, 
tough guys, taught to be strong. Uh, you, you mentioned something about, hey, if you have a concussion, you keep playing. If you don't, you look, you're looked at as weak. If, if you get out, you, you lose the fight, hey, what would you do wrong? It's all this pressure against men that the world is, is, has done to them that it's constantly, you know, am I going to be judged or should I bring this all to the table? Yes, but you're bearing so much and it's a scary place. Can you just look in this camera right now and talk to the men that are listening that are saying, but Reed, I'm so afraid to show the vulnerability. Well, I always say that vulnerability is a superpower, not a weakness. And when I started to show my vulnerabilities to the world, the world started to look at me in a different way. And there's a there's a thing out there that I think a lot of people get confused with, and, and that's sin. And sin is not, to me, what it would be to like the lay person that just goes to church and like, oh, you said the F word, so you've sinned. You know what I mean? Right. Sin is a, is a, is a nature, mm -hmm. and a lot of times we want to take other people's sins and we want to place it upon ourselves because that gives us a human emotion to feel. And a lot of times when we take somebody else's sin and we place it upon ourselves, there's a part to us that gets to have that soaking feeling of whether it's the negative or whatever you're trying to help them or whatever. And and one of the things that I've really tried to do is not accept everybody else's sin and forgive me for mine. The day that I learned how to forgive myself is the day that I'll, that is, it was the first day to the rest of my life. And I tell this to people too. I did not, there's a lot of people that, you know, go to church and have Jesus there because they're trying to get someplace. I didn't give my heart to Jesus Christ so that I could get to heaven. Mm -hmm. I did it so that I could be better here today mm -hmm. and make a difference in the world that needs to be made a difference in because I'm not really sure what goes on behind those closed doors and everybody around here and all the, the different religion schools or you know Catholic this that the next thing you guys can all talk about whatever you want but you truly don't know and that's the one real special thing about being a human is we have the ultimate choice. But we know inside there is good in this world and there's evil in this world. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, they both reside in humans. Yes. And we get to choose every single day which side of the fence that we want to hop on. And I know what side I'm on. I know that I still butcher it every single day. But I know that I, I can forgive myself. And I know that my mindset is to be the best that I can be. and never going to be as good as Jesus. But if I can just be a little more like him and a little, like, little less like me every day, you know, healing, loving, if you're mean to him, he's just going to love you back, right? Mm -hmm. Like the true epitome of what a human being should be. And that's really my only goal is to try and do that as good as I can. Absolutely. And what I want you to all understand is in this message that there's possibility within each and every one of you. Whatever you've done in the past, at any given moment, just like Reed said, you can decide to accept him. If, and it doesn't matter the religion. It doesn't matter your spirituality. I've asked questions in my life coaching class on Thursday night read. I always say, can spirituality and religion exist together? And they're like, ooh, that's a really powerful question. And I said, well, what do you even think religion is? Is it organized religion? You know, I grew up uh, in a Catholic family. My mom is a devout Catholic. I love her. She is my dearest friend. And I think for the longest time, and this is what people see, they get their feelings hurt Unfortunately, they get their feelings hurt if you are not following the exact way that they brought you up, right? So I had to find it myself. I think it is the most powerful thing when you are called to, well, you're called by Jesus, first of all. That Jesus Calling book is powerful. Both you and a friend of mine that I lost, uh, both of you 
had that book and I was like, oh, this is a powerful book I haven't read yet. You had it for a while before you read it anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's always when it's our time. But what I found was I would talk with my mom over the years and I would say, mom, it's one thing to go to church. But if you're not paying attention, you're looking around, and when I was younger, I would be like, oh, there's my friend over there. There's my best friend. Look at that cute outfit she's wearing. And we'd be like this. And, you know, you didn't have text, but now people are on their phones, and they're texting within church and not paying attention. They do that just to feel better about themselves for that very hour. And then I would watch people, and I think this is what disconnected with me. I would watch people walk out of the service, smack their kids across the face. I would hear them screaming at them, and I would go, what just happened? Mm -hmm. How did this, I don't understand this disconnect. All I kept feeling was I'm being called to return to church, but what does that church look like? Or where is it? I used to say, you don't have to go to a building to profess your faith. You just have to live it. And so I finally think I, I talked to my mom and I said, I, I, I might find my way back to the Catholic Church. I, I don't know. All I know is when that person's up there delivering the sermon or the message, please be passionate about it. Don't just take and start reading and fumbling through things. And how, how is that? You know me and you. Very, very big into passion. So deliver that message with passion. And I will hang on every word, as will every child and every senior. That's how you connect with someone. And that's what we're doing here, right? It's, it's the mission statement of possibilities, of changing lives, of taking you out of the darkness that you might be in right now. I know there's a lot of people that said, I need this today, Monica. I needed this story. It's just one day at a time. It's not everything that has happened in the past. I just had, well, as you said, you have to lay it all out there, but to be real and, and be okay to be judged. So I was going to tell you a little story. The first Christian song that I ever started to listen to was Evelation Worship and Brandon Lake. Brandon Lake's fantastic. If you want to watch a guy absolutely rock out and then also melt your heart with gratitude, like it's, he's unbelievable. But Elevation Worship wrote this song, and Brandon Lake sings it with him. And go to YouTube; it's one of the they're rocking choir in the back. <laughs> and and the first part of the song it says, "I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me." Hmm. And it's just like as soon as I heard those lyrics, I just stopped in my track, and I was like, "I've been in the NHL. I've had money. I've had fame. I've had. I've had. I've had. I've had. And I've had nothing, right?" There's only one thing in this world that's ever filled me up like I'm full today on. And and it's really simple. It's not tricky. It's not, you don't have to do a certain thing, right? I watched this this one preacher talking um, on, on TikTok or one of the one of the one of the social media, and he's he had this kid come up to me and says, If I give my heart to Jesus, do I have to quit smoking weed? Mm. And the minister's like, Well, no. He's like, you mean I can still smoke weed and have Jesus in my life? He's like, yeah. He's like, do you go get clean before you have a shower? He said, the whole thing is, is listen, whatever you have, bring it to him. Mm -hmm. He wants you to bring everything to him. And then you guys are going to work it out. Right. And trust me, folks. It's not like you go, I, I want Jesus in my heart, and then all of a sudden you're, you know, walking on plates of gold. That's not how it is. It's a grind every single day. Mm -hmm. What it is is just a relationship with something that's greater than human. And I think that's what's important. You have had quite a ride, and I just am excited to see where life is going to take you. Again, for all of you, this show is about finding possibilities for you and never forcing anything on you. I hope you feel that in myself, in Reed. It'll come when it's supposed to come. You will find that faith. You will lean in. Maybe you have a little bit of it. I know you also say in this testimonial that at the time, I don't know, when, when was that speech, by the way? April 29th of this last year. Oh, this last year. So you had said that you don't go to church, but maybe you're like, I thought it was the cutest thing. You're like, maybe 
maybe I'll do something like that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do something like that. <laughs> I, I, I have my Bible study every Thursday morning, and there's ten of us, and we break the word down, and we talk about, it, and we talk about the world and everything that we're going through, and that's enough for me. My sister wants me to go to Oak Bridge with her because we live out there, and they apparently have a really awesome band. So my mom's been asking me to go. So so where's that? That's out in Jefferson County. Uh, it's in Arnold. Yeah, in it's Arnold? called Oak Bridge. It's supposed to be really awesome. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to invite me and Reed to your church. I have been doing kind of field trips of churches yeah. because I I'll want do that to... for sure with oh, you. Okay, let's do it. So we're going to go around and maybe we'll do this on social media. We'll show you where we are and the message that we've received. I've been to the crossing three times, uh, the one in Fenton twice, the one in Chesterfield once. I also went over to, I think it was, it's Faith Church STL off of Larkin Williams. I've had someone say, hey, come to Alive, come to the actual faith that's right there on Gravoy. I'll go to all of them because that's the thing. I think the more open-minded we are, the more we connect as human beings. I think I would enjoy going to a different church yep. every Sunday than yep. going to the same one every Sunday. I if I was going to do it. I want this as part of my Sunday. Uh, when I said that I had been, so I've been obviously led by him since I had my blood clot at 19 and he saved <clears> me. I, I feel that he saved me to be his disciple here on earth to change the world. I stepped away from television to change on a grander scale because this is what you need in your life, not the negativity of the news. That's why it happened. And now I'm feeling more and more and more. So that's why I'm being drawn to, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? You just guide me and I'm there. So Sundays, I want it to be all about going to churches and going to brunch afterwards and just talking about it afterwards and just filling our souls. There's one thing that <clears throat> I love about my Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit and God and, and just the representation of surrender, right? Like when you surrender, it's one of the craziest, coolest feelings I've ever given in my life to myself. It's the biggest gift ever. And, and people talk a lot about kings and religion and everything else, but what a wonderful God that we get to serve because he doesn't force us to come mm -hmm. into his kingdom. Mm -hmm. It's And when we do come, he gives us everything that we need, right? Like, how does it get any better than that? No. Like, nope. It's a choice, and it's a beautiful one at that. It is. Thank you for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. I normally wrap up the show solo, but I'm going to have Reed stay in here because I want him to hear this after everything he's been through. If there's ever even a doubt of, you know, is there shame on this, shame on that, shame on anything that he's told you in this hour? No. Again, I want you all to receive this message because I think it's very powerful for what we've been talking about today. The power of improvement. Anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. That's 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Our verse for today is a very powerful one, but one that is often misunderstood by those who are struggling to overcome a specific sin. Reed talked about sin earlier. It's referring to the cleansing that we get when we accept Christ. God forgives our sins completely. Though they are as scarlet, he makes them as white as snow. That's from Isaiah. In my mind, this is one of the top 10 most encouraging verses in the Bible, Isaiah 1, verse 18. But it suddenly becomes a discouraging verse if you misunderstand it. So understand this. Some people look at this verse and think that it means that when a person accepts Christ... They are instantly set free from every weakness. That old temptations will no longer have their power, making life suddenly a piece of cake. Then, when that doesn't happen, they feel disillusioned and wonder, what did you do wrong? Quote, I'm not a new person, they think. I'm the same old miserable failure I was before. So easy to shame yourself. If this is where you are right now, I have great news for you. The Christian life is not and has never been about sudden overnight change where a person goes from deeply troubled to practically perfect in one day. The Christian life is about daily improvement. Growth is a word the Bible uses to describe it. 
And make no mistake, there is tremendous power in incremental improvement. For example, a baseball player, or we'll use a hockey player, but let's say this, a baseball player who gets five hits every 20 at-bats is a 250 hitter and considered mediocre. But a player who gets six hits every 20 at-bats is a 500, excuse me, 300 and a star. That's just one more hit, just one more. The same holds true in life. Small improvements make a huge difference. So please, today, don't worry about being perfect. Just do a little better today than you did yesterday. And Benjamin Franklin said this, when you're finished changing, you're finished. Today's prayer, Father, thank you for making my sins as white as snow. Please help me now as I begin to make changes to my habits and to my routines. Absolutely perfect. It's as if God chose it, and he did. It's just eerie how it happens sometimes, Reed. I never know what I'm getting ready to turn to, but oh my gosh, I just got chills. <laughs> I love you, my friend. I love you too. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to all of you, we'll go back and look at some of these comments because there were so many that came in. All I know is the one main thing that I heard from all of you in these messages were, what a powerful show today. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of The Real Monica Adams Show. And I hope that you take just one thing from today's show. Remember, it's small changes that amount to the large ones that you've been seeking in your life. If you've been suffering from mental health, depression, anxiety, fear, PTSD, you have to start small. But I'm giving you the tools on my show each and every day, again, on Facebook and YouTube, and then listening to the message on this audio podcast platform. If there's a show you would like for me to do, a particular topic, do me a favor, shoot me an email, info at therealmonicaadams.com, and I will take care of that for you. Thank you again for tuning in today, and we will see you very soon. Mm -hmm.